0: Good evening Blue Jays fans, Brendan Panikar here hosting this week, my first ever time hosting with a guest on the podcast, in addition to Craig Borden, let's introduce our guest first, you know him from South of the Six, Adam Corsair, how are you buddy?
1: I'm doing good man, it's, it's, a, it's a good week, you know, like... I don't know how it is up where you guys are, but down here in Rhode Island, it's a little fallish, right? It's like a high 60s, low 70s, so it's got the nice cool air. The new Tool album leaked, so I'm kind of psyched about that. Of course, I don't do things illegally. Otherwise, uh, you know, doing well. How are you, how are you guys tonight?
0: Not bad, not bad. I am um, uh, the weather is very similar here. Uh, it felt a little cool, crisp kind of fall air in the morning walking to work this morning. But yeah. Craig, you are here as well.
2: Yes, how are you, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, yes, I am here. So, but yeah, yes. it's been wonderful, honestly. And it's been, I know, some mixed opinions of things going on in Blue Jay land with how things are going, but how can we not be excited about this team at this point, especially with the invasion that went on in Seattle this week? It's been very fun for Blue Jays baseball over the last week. Yeah. And
0: guys, that's actually not a nice little segue. I just kind of want to kick things back to the Dodgers series a little bit because even though they got swept, three games other than that 16-3 to game, which was still good because Bo hit two home runs off Clayton Kershaw, which was <laughs> incredibly done. exciting, incredibly exciting, but uh, they lost all three in LA, they dropped two out of three in Seattle in front of all the uh, Canadians on the West Coast that drove down, and honestly guys, I kind of want to open things up to get your thoughts on, and I'm not sure if you guys saw this, and I don't mean to bring it out of left field because this wasn't on our rundown agenda but there are still every single year Mariners radio personalities around Seattle that are incredibly pissed off about how many Blue Jays fans go down there instead of complaining about the Blue Jays fans that go down there why don't why doesn't your fans just buy the tickets so they can't go right am I wrong on that
1: no, no, I mean you're, you're absolutely right, and it it definitely brings the the game like it, it makes it more like I, I hate to use this term because I don't feel like there's really much separation between Americans and Canadians, but it makes it feel a lot more international, right, And when you have that pride, especially on the west Coast. Of Blue Jays fans coming down for a weekend series too, like we've been begging for this for a while, and it's just only coming to fruition for the past couple of years—a weekend series in Seattle. I think it's wonderful, right? I, I love seeing uh, the crowd of the away team come and support their team, no matter what, and uh, it's really cool to see the Blue Jays sort of in Blue Jays fans rather invade Seattle like that. I love it.
2: I just think it's hilarious that they even have a problem with it. This is like, got to be a record-breaking weekend for them every year as far as the Mariners (laughs) fan. They have been like us the last few years. They're in the bottom of the, you know, American League toiling away, and they've done nothing but Buffalo Bills their fans for the last few years, hyping up that, we're going to be good, we're going to be good, we're going to be good, and then they suck. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I know the feeling
2: I know you do that's why I had to make the reference my friend so but the fact that there's even anybody remotely pissed about this I'm in the school if you don't like it then your fan base should show up they're not going to games these tickets are 100% available what the hell is the problem here and the fact that I'm hearing that there's four hour delays at the border coming over and everything you knew this was going to (laughs) happen I just don't get it
0: yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And you know what? I mean, this isn't the only ballpark where Blue Jays fans take over. There's a ton that come down from Manitoba and Saskatchewan to go see games in Minnesota. There's a ton who drive just down 401 to get to Detroit every single year, and you never hear a peep out of any of their people. Obviously, it's not as many people that go down to those stadiums, but at the same time, it uh, yeah, it I, I don't get it. I think they just got to get over it. They know it's going to happen. It started to happen ever since like 2013, 2014. And I think I mean, it, it, it's a nice little rivalry that they've developed, but guys, how weird was it before we open things up and, and get back on track here with our little agenda that we uh, we agreed upon with Beau Bichette, but I just want to say how weird or how cool was it for you guys that the Blue Jays got to finally play three games at Dodger Stadium for the first time since, I believe, 2007. Adam, I'll kick things off with you.
1: It was wonderful. Right? It, it's, it's it's one of those things where, first of all, being on the East Coast, it's kind of a pain to watch these games so late and especially the uh the extra inning game i just couldn't stay up like i just i just couldn't do it but watching the recap games the next day and seeing like the blue jays over there on the west coast it's beautiful it just it expands it a little bit more. It makes it more, uh, it, it just covers more ground for the Blue Jays. and it, I, I just love it, especially playing against a team like the Dodgers, who are red hot this year. Um, it really shows that the Blue Jays can sort of stick with them, even though, as you mentioned, that first game, 16-3, to not that great, even though Bobichette put on a show. The other games were within reach, and it just shows how resilient this Blue Jays team is. So when you couple that with the territory of L.A., plus the resiliency, it made me proud to be a Blue Jays
2: fan. Yeah, I think it just puts correct. us on the map a little bit, guys. Come on. <laughs> we hung with one of the best oh, teams yeah. in baseball. If we actually had some pitching, this could have been a different series because as far as it goes, you saw the 16-3 to game. Yes, we had some highlights in that with some dingers from Boba And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Teoscar that hit the other one? I believe so, I yes. Believe, so the fact that just – they showed up. It's been a million years since they've been there. And the last pitcher to win there was Roy Holliday. I think that really sums up the idea of who yeah. and how long it's been since we've even been to Dodger Stadium. And the fact that we actually, like I said, came in and hung with one of the best teams in baseball. Come on, guys. This is an offense that we have no business holding in check for two of those games,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: let alone going taking yeah. them to an extra innings game. So the fact that our offense was able to hang in with them, I'm excited for what this team has been cooking, and it's only going to get better, I think.
0: Well, you mentioned offense, Craig, and I think that's where this discussion needs to be shifted to because, wow, did that series at Dodger Stadium ever get started off with a bang? First inning home run by Bobachette, and then he does it again in the sixth inning off of Clayton Kershaw, both off Clayton Kershaw. Adam, since shet has been called up, eight home runs, 14 RBI, two stolen bases, 351 average, 388 OBP, a weighted runs created plus of 178, and a 1.3 war. Is this kid going to slow down anytime soon? When's the adjustment period going to come? Because I'm (laughs) kind of expecting it. But, like, at the same time, he's just that good. Maybe he doesn't need an adjustment. or won't even go through an adjustment period. Will there be one anytime soon? Or will just just continue through the rest of the calendar season before the season's up?
1: I want to say it's going to continue just because he's been on such a tear. And he's like, this is what confidence can do for a player, especially a young player like Bo Bichette. Coming in, you, he was hungry to be on this team. He knew he deserved to be on this team long before he was even called up, mind you. But once he got the shot, he took the ball and ran with it. And this is exactly what confidence can produce. Yes, obviously, there's going to be a down point in this. It will happen. But seeing as though this hot streak has been going on since, what, July? I don't know, man. Like, it might continue all the way to September through September, and we might not see that downturn, those lows, that slump, uh, if you will, until next season when people really have, uh, like, an eye for him and they and the pitchers make the adjustments for him. I don't know. I'm, I think he might continue this tear well into the end of the season
2: yeah fellas i don't know if you happen to be following during that first dodgers game but i happen to be chit-chatting with jesse barfield a little bit and uh we were talking about his swing through the twitter account for Bird watching and i saw that
0: and (laughs) fellas beautiful uh,
2: you got somebody like jesse barfield in your corner going i don't know how this kid's doing it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and he's amazed as much as and as good of a hitter at Jesse Barfield is the fact that him and I were just in total agreement that these little lulls are literally going to be I think at bat to at bat with Boba with how fast he unloads on the ball it's just one, two, slam. There's nothing in between. And how he loads up is just so consistent. And the fact that he is one of the only major league baseball players that I've seen in recent history that actually has a two-strike approach lights out, guys. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. I you can see it. It's a completely different swing and how fast he gets to the ball once he does get down to two strikes on him. But I just want to put this into perspective because I just happen to uncover this. He is already in the Blue Jays' top five in war for the whole season, and he's been playing for, what, in a month? He's got a 1. 1. 1.8 war. He is nipping at the heels of Eric Sogard, who in all reality was this team's MVP on offense. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Absolutely crazy. I got you know, one like other thing. <laughs> yeah. Bring it so up. that at-bat
2: against Kershaw. First one, lights out, crushed it for the first home run. That second at-bat... He went back to that dugout, looked at Kevin Bijou, and you could see it written all over his face. He goes, what was that? He threw this nasty (laughs) 60-mile-an-hour bender at him. And he tried to get away with another curveball on that third at bat, and he lit that thing up, guys.
1: Yeah, that curve was nasty.
0: It was uh, was nasty. I can't believe that he lit that up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's crazy, guys. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this kind of a tear from Bo Bichette when he first got here. I mean I think I know what your guys answer to this will be but isn't this kind of the start to Bo career that you had envisioned for Vlad Jr. when he first got up here am I crazy in saying that yes or no Craig I'll start with you
2: oh no you're 100% right this is what everybody in baseball thought was going to happen for uh Vladdy and we were there that night (laughs) it was just insane (laughs) that was what everybody thought was going to happen and the fact that bow is exceeded everybody's expectations i think everybody knew he was capable of being a s- incredibly good hitter but the fact that he's been a solid all-around player guys is what's impressed me the much most i think
1: yeah i um sort of to piggyback off what craig says and now what i'm about to say it doesn't sound so crazy and i thought it might <laughs> um i think the hype that we had with vlad coming in We were told that he's going to be this all-around great prospect, and that might be true, and it still could come into fruition, but I think Bo Bichette is an all-around better talent than Vlad, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Vlad. I think Vlad will ultimately be a better hitter than Bo, maybe even if it's just for power. I think Vlad has a better approach than Bobachet, but we just haven't seen it blossom yet. But all around, I think Bobachette has the the capability to be the most valuable player on this team moving forward. And it really wouldn't surprise me if he became like the de facto captain of this team.
0: His personality definitely plays into that captain's role. I think that was on with Craig two weeks ago. I think it was just us and I was saying to Craig, would it surprise you just with Bobichet's personality? If he becomes like the Josh Donaldson from 2015 and 2016 that made people pissed off to play the Toronto Blue Jays because you <laughs> right? knew that they had this, this cocky asshole on the other side who knew he was incredibly better than you no matter what you do. You just can't get him out.
2: But and the fact that he finishes Adam, just like, like Jose Bautista, I think that perfect it. <laughs>
0: exactly. But Adam, I like what you bring up there in terms of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s approach at the plate because it's true. The one knock on Bo since he's been up here is he hasn't walked a whole lot. Only 5.8% of the time, and he struck out 24% of the time since he's been up here. But I want to shift to Vlad Jr. because this guy deserves almost equal recognition for what he's done since July the 1st. Since July 1st, seven home runs, 34 ribbies, a 10.3 base on ball percentage, and 15.2k percentage. So he's getting close to being right around the same amount of walks to strikeouts. A 3.11 batting average. 386 OBP and a 142 weighted runs created plus. Adam, I'll open this up to you to get things kick started on this topic. Is this the Vlad Jr. that we can expect from here on out, just kind of going out there doing this business, which is incredible? 142 weighted runs created plus and 184 plate appearances and nothing to sneeze at. A little bit of a smaller sample size, but not really. Or is there another level to this guy that we're going to see unlocked in 2020?
1: I think there's another level. I really do, and that's not to take away from anything that he's done, especially recently with the team, but I still think there's more to it. I still think, and he may be a little bit more relaxed now because he's well within his element with the players that he's been successful with. Like, he, he's surrounding himself now, well, the team is surrounding himself now with Bobachet and Cavan and Rowdy. Like, they're there. The presence is there, and it might feel a little familiar to him, but I do feel like there's just this uncapped potential that we haven't seen with him and once he's a little bit more relaxed and once he feels like he's really owning this team as his own i think then we're going to see the confidence factor really kick in and you see what incredible ability he has at the plate and it's not just that i also think that i'm of the camp that he doesn't really quote unquote belong as a third baseman and i think any of these minor errors or even major errors that you see him make on that side of the diamond. That might bleed over to the plate a little bit, affecting his that untapped potential I have mentioned. So I do think there's a whole nother level that we're going to be experiencing with Vlad, maybe starting next year, depending on what they do around the diamond, there's a lot of decisions they have to make. Justin Smoke's gonna be gone as Rowdy's their guy of the future. There's a lot of ripple effects that we can see with this team moving forward, but I do think there's a whole new level that we're going to experience with Vlad.
2: So fellas, I'm just going to put this one out there cuz I think you're going to appreciate it. Right now, I think that what the Blue Jays have is the current day version of Roberto Alomar and Paul Molitor in their lineup for mm. for hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I we only so, got man. a sample of those two together, but how I I grew up loving and idolizing watching Roberto Alomar play every day and the fact that Boba Shett brings that same kind of Go ahead, ha- like just bring it out on the field. I'm gonna be better than you uh, with the glove and <laughs> with the bat. And Vladdy having that same similar swagger, but maybe not being, you know, maybe it's vocal, but being loud with the bat. That's 100% the way Paul Molitor played baseball every day. And I just think the fact that the two of them together in that lineup, it this is an igniting force in the lineup. But we haven't even gotten to talking about the other guys in the fold here. Kevin Biggio is no slouch. Danny Jansen, all the other company and whatnot. This team is going to be insane with those two guys in the middle of this lineup. And I'm wondering how long we're going to be sticking with Boba Shet in the leadoff spot as this igniter, or is he going to fall into the old school Donaldson spot of the two hole? And that's going to be a dynamic in the midst of this lineup in two and three, getting a ton of ABs during a season, fellas.
0: Yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting uh, little debate or, or question for the long term future of Boba Greg. I, I definitely think he needs to walk a little bit more. Oh, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not it's, sure if he's going to be the long-term leadoff guy. But, I mean, if it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it right now. No and touching. it sure is a broken. <laughs> <laughs> but we are seeing these two just absolutely take their jobs and run with it now that they're both at the big league level. and guys, I want to bring up another guy who's been very quietly much better since his start of the season. And it's honestly kind of easy to be much better than the way this guy started the season. Danny Jansen, in more limited playing time since July the 1st because they've also called up Reese McGuire since to be a backup with Luke Mailey being on the injured list. Craig, I want to turn things over to you to kick this discussion off. Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire since Reese has been here. For the most part, I'd say, what, 50-50 in terms of how many times each play per week, maybe 60-40 in favor of Danny Jansen? Is this going to be something that we're going to see in 2020 and 2021 with these two? Because I was thinking on my way to work this morning, guys. If you have two good catchers, they're both going to stay healthy longer. They're going to be more effective late into the season, especially if you're making a playoff push. The way I think of having two legitimate catchers is having two legitimate goalies, kind of like the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues, who both got the Stanley Cup final. Had a a really good starter and a really good backup quarterback, or uh, backup goalie, not quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but is this the long-term future, or is Danny Jansen going to be the guy who maybe goes 70-30 next year, or ultimately, because Reese McGuire hasn't looked terrible with the at the plate and behind the plate, who's your long-term guy, and who's the guy that you're riding from here on out?
2: So I think Danny Jansen's going to run away eventually with the everyday job, but I still am leaning toward that might be the 60-40 split, even into next season, Brennan. Uh, I've seen some good things from Reese McGuire that I'm intrigued enough, but I don't want him to really run away, as I don't think his offensive ceiling is quite what you get from Danny Jansen. I really do think that now that Danny Jansen's settled in on a major league rotation, that it is going to start translating more at the plate. And we've seen it to a point. It's been in spurts, I think, so far in the second half. But it seems like his second half has been a, a little bit better. And I think it's just because it's a small sample size. But in 29 games, he's got 14 home runs and 15 RBIs, where that's already halfway to what he had in the first half. I really don't see him having an issue exceeding his numbers from the first half being at a mere two eleven batting average. But I do think that it's gonna be one of those dynamics that's gonna be very interesting for Blue Jays fans to watch for probably the next year or so because Reese McGuire is definitely a major league worthy catcher, or they're gonna just trade one of these guys for the King's Ransom in a trade. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I think agree with you, Craig. I think Danny Jansen is the guy of the future. I think he is going to be the mainstay, but I don't necessarily think he's going to run away with it and be like the Russell Martin, right? It it will be four on one off. I do think this will be more closer to like a 70 30 split. Um, because I do think Reese's, I think he could be a starting catcher on maybe another major league team, maybe not a contending team, but he could certainly fill the role nicely. I just think Danny Jansen has a lot more potential, and the adjustments that I've seen him made is very impressive. Uh, it's impressive. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but I think he was on Baseball Central. I think it was not too long ago talking about the adjustments that he made at the plate, and now he's been a lot more relaxed there, and he hasn't really gotten into his head. I think that it shows a sign of maturity, and that's something that I want to see from my catcher, especially someone that's calling the game and uh, making these relationships with the starting rotation. I I want to see that. I want to see him sort of take it and run with it. So I do think he is the quote-unquote guy, but seeing how fluid this this management is operating with this team, it really wouldn't surprise me if they make it like a 70-30 split.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of leaning that way too. I think we're finally seeing Danny Jansen's offense catch up with how good he was defensively this year. But... At the same time, if it's 70-30, 65-35, whatever it is, it's not a bad thing to have two good catchers on your roster. And if Reese McGuire can be something, who knows, guys? Maybe Reese McGuire could be a trade ship when either a Luke Mailey gets healthy or some of these other catchers in the system catch up and get closer to the big leagues. So it's a good thing. But I think, guys, before we move on to pitching side of things, kind of put a bow on the offensive side of things and really – Really good and impressive. Who has impressed you most over the past week? Other than me. Oh, actually, no, I mean, I mean, I'm not even going to screw him. Who's impressed you the most at the plate? Because there's been so many good performances. Going back to the Dodgers series over the weekend in Seattle, Teoscar Hernandez has been fantastic. Freddie, Gal- or sorry, not uh, Randall Gritchick has been all right. Brandon Jaurice looked a little better in Billy McKinney, too. Ultimately, who has impressed you most over the last week or so offensively?
1: I, I can take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's got to be Bo. Like, I, I know we've talked him up. I know we've hyped him up a lot already, so there's not much more to say about him. But it's just got to be Bo, man. Like, it, he is pretty much taking on not just the identity of what this Blue Jay team could become, but just having that sure-handed guy in the lineup and just thinking like, when he comes to the plate, it's, it's just nothing but confidence, right? As a fan watching, I'm just thinking, like, okay, he's got this. Like, he's, he's aggressive on strike one. And you're right, he doesn't walk a lot, but I, I like that aggressiveness. I like that eagerness to prove yourself. So offensively, it's got to be both. It's just, it, it's so pretty to watch at the plate that swing. I don't know if you guys caught it, but um I think the Blue Jays Twitter or, or Instagram put up a slow motion video of his swing. And it's just so fluid, it's just beautiful. So, offensively, it's got to be both for me.
2: So, I would agree 100% with Mr. Corsair, but I'm just going to have to change this up for the sake of argument. I can't believe Teoscar Hernandez has been hitting the way he has been since he came up from Buffalo. It's a completely changed player. He's solid in center field, and he's been hitting the ball hard. I don't know what the heck happened. But apparently there's some magic Buffalo wing sauce or something going on in Buffalo, guys, (laughs) and there's a little heat on it. So, you know, maybe it's just finally lighting a fire under some of these guys to the point where they show the potential. Teoscar Hernandez at the beginning of the season, guys, do you even agree with me that he might have been falling out of the offensive uh, plan of where his team was? Absolutely. So now he's right back in it. And now it's not just, you know, Gritchick having a job. It's him. Um, Derek Fisher, Billy McKinney, all of them back in the argument again. And then you're going to have guys like Anthony Alford stepping in. So it's nice to have this step up that we actually might have a few good, tangible pieces to go into next year's outfield. There's not much thick, thin spots on the offense, guys. And this is only, you know, seeing Teoscar do what he's been doing is only making me more excited.
0: Uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's so nice to see you guys. This team is really coming together offensively. I think we've said this a few times whether it's me being on south of the sixth uh adam you with us or craig just you and i with other guests but you can go into 2020 having six or seven of your eight position players solidified but the pitching side of things guys is a completely different story and i want to touch on two starters that have had polar opposite past weeks and even going back to a few weeks ago john reed foley is back down in triple a he was unable to take advantage of a little bit of an extended look in a few turns to the rotation to grasp hold of a rotation spot. What's next for Sean Reed Foley? Craig, I'm going to turn this to you because I know you and I, and Adam, I know you are too, we all love Sean Reed Foley. The stuff is there. We want to see him succeed. He just seems like such a likable guy. I love that passion that he goes out there on the mound with. He wants to be I mean, everybody <laughs> wants to be good. Like, it, 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 he just has that look inside it's like, I want to fucking mow this guy down <laughs> so what is next with Sean Reef Foley because other guys in the system like Nate Pearson like other guys down in AAA, TJ Zoic who we'll touch on later these guys are catching up and Sean Reef Foley starting to look like he's falling down the totem pole in terms of starting pitchers for the next few years Craig is he going to be a bullpen guy are they going to give him another shot once rosters expand or is he just going to spend the rest of the year down in Buffalo and will he be called back up uh, when rosters
2: expand I think they have to give him a shot when rosters expand. You got to know what you're getting out of him. He, when he's in Buffalo, guys, he looks like he's a solid pitcher. Yes, there's days where he's a little wild, and honestly, the thing I think that still was the biggest thing for him is confidence, confidence, confidence. So if you give him a chance, even if it is just you know, in the opener role and let him play for two, three innings. Let him go. Let him do it. I just can't believe this is a guy that literally two weeks ago was solid through four or five innings looking very good, and then all of a sudden the hamster falls off the wheel and gets shot, it seems like, in the last two outings. It, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. It's three in a third inning with three earned runs, and then d- barely makes it through an inning and two-thirds, this last outing. It's just insane, guys. I don't understand what that last tidbit is that he needs. But I don't know how much of that he's going to get from being in the minors. I really think he needs to just go out there and figure and toy with everything while he's out on the major league mound. And like I said, if that's out of the bullpen, let's let him run out with it the rest of the season. But he is a piece of this future, and I would much rather see what I can get out of him out of the remainder of the season. And this is no offense to some of the veterans, but I know what the veterans can do. Take their claw, push him down the line a little bit, and let Sean Reed Foley have some extra innings this ball basically
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I don't necessarily think he's a starting pitcher I, I don't think he's suited for that role um so far this season he hasn't pitched over five and a third innings um, and you can say it's not really a big deal because he's if he's going to start he's a fifth starter at best at best that's where he's at and fine and but th- what's happening with him is eerily reminiscent to Aaron Sanchez as well. This yes. past season with the Blue Jays, and it's it's just not clicking for him. And I do think he, like Sanchez, uh, especially with the Blue Jays, he's better suited for middle relief because the success is there in like these small pockets of the game. But it, I feel like when he's, it's just in his head. Because you're right, the stuff is there, and when it's it's either on track right from the get go, or it's just all over the place, and he's pitching wild. So I don't know. I think it's more of a problem in between the ears, and maybe being part of the starting rotation is just a little bit too much pressure for him. So to relieve that, I would just, I think he'd be more successful and better off for this team as a middle relief kind of guy.
0: So guys, I want to run a Sean Reed Foley scenario uh, between the two of you and get your thoughts on this. When rosters expand, if the Bisons don't make the playoffs, because they currently sit three games back of Scranton-Wooksbury, who so they happen to play this weekend, mm-hmm. but... When rosters expand, this is kind of the scenario i thought out in my head. You bring Sean Reed Foley back up, and you insert him into the rotation. He takes the ball every fifth day without an opener. He has to show you. It's his time. We've said this going back to April when he first came up and had that start against Baltimore. Or when it was looking like he may have had a chance to win the fifth starter spot from Trent Thornton back in spring training. He needs an extended look for the rest of the year in my mind, because you can go one of two ways. He either goes out there and shows you that he's worthy of coming back into spring training, battling for a starter spot in 2020s rotation, or if he continues what he's been doing the last two starts, you may be able to remove him from the 40 man roster to add another guy because there's going to be some very, very difficult 40-man roster decisions with guys you are going to need to protect from the Rule 5 draft this offseason. I'm sure Nate Pearson, who's not on the 40-man right now, is going to be added if he wasn't already. I can't remember. But it's out of one of those two ways. Am I wrong, Craig? I'll start with you on that one. Are those scenarios out of left field or do you think something like that could happen?
2: I I think it's gonna happen, and I really think that it's one of those things. Like we were kind of building on that previous conversation, that he just needs to get some confidence, and I think he could get that in the bullpen. It's amazing how if you just get the snowball rolling, guys, you know, it's gonna eventually grow into a mountain, you know. And I really think that just like Aaron Sanchez did in 2015 and took it into 2016, we could see something very similar to Sean Reed Foley's development and run with it like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you you hit it on the head, uh, Brennan, when you said that. You need to know what you have in him. And you can't set him up in positions to fail, right? You want to maximize your potential when it comes to a guy like this. Because there there is sort of an investment there with Sean Reef There There was a time, I think like two, three years ago, maybe it was just two years ago, that we were hyping up the arrival of Sean Reef Foley. Like it, that was kind of a thing. Much like, well, maybe not to the same degree as Nate Pearson, but it, it was there, like that's someone in the future that you want to keep in mind. So I do think that there's a scenario in which that you want to see what you have and you want to put him in the, in the position to succeed. And I think if you, like I said, if you have him in a bullpen role, I think he's going to thrive. And I think that will boost his confidence and that will do wonders for him moving down as a, as a Blue Jay in his tenure.
0: I do agree with you both. I think the bullpen is where he's going to end up I mean, the the talent's there, the stuff is there. You see it in spurts, but then he loses his control in like the second, sometimes the fourth inning, and they just can't get it back in under composure. It's tough because I do think that if he is removed from the forty man, if he shows a little bit, uh, that some team will take a chance on him because there's for sure, something for sure. there. So, 100%. yeah, I think he will go into spring training next year, guys, with a chance to win a starter spot again. If he doesn't show you enough down the stretch here then maybe you have to start thinking about eliminating him as a starter because other guys are catching up. But there's also been a massive, massive surprise in this rotation, and that's Jacob Wagus pack. You can't say enough about this guy. He's come out of nowhere. Ten games, seven games started, so 52 innings pitched. He has a 3.63 ERA and a 4.27 fit. That's not bad at all. He's 4-1, and doesn't strike up many guys, doesn't walk very many guys either. He just kind of quietly gets it done. And we saw that last week, Thursday, when he went out, pitched seven innings, only allowed one hit, one walk, and struck out five against a Dodgers lineup that could win the World Series. Adam, is this guy in the 2020 rotation? Is he going to be in the rotation longer? Do we still need to see a little bit more of Jacob Weges-Pack? What are your thoughts on him? Because he, for some reason, he's really intriguing to me.
1: Yeah, I think... And this isn't to take anything away from him. I think almost by default, he's going to be part of the rotation because it's just kind of a question mark moving forward, especially into 2020. We don't know what's going to be ultimately there. But I'm certainly confident in it and a lot more confident than I was, at least in the beginning of the year um, when he was pitching for Buffalo. I mean does anybody miss Aaron loop right now because that's what we traded away to get him. Um, I, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, think that he, he's a welcome addition. I think that he's a solid, I think his ceiling is maybe a number four guy. And I, I think that's, that's good. I think if you have a guy with this much reliability in that spot, you could certainly do worse. So yeah, I think he is sort of a fixture for this rotation moving forward. And I would like to see it over the span of an entire season to see if he can really solidify himself in that role. If he can go out there and give you on average five and two thirds, maybe six innings, you can't, you can't complain or thumb your nose at that. So I I do think he's probably going to be a fixture of this rotation moving forward. So I'm going to make another
2: blue Jay comparison here. Did we expect (laughs) Marco Estrada to run away with a job in 2015? No, (laughs) no, exactly. Yeah. Good call. I win. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, guys, just how nice is it knowing that you have somebody like Jacob Wagaspak to be able to go shopping with on this off season? You know, you got somebody, worst-case scenario, he's your three or four guy in a rotation with a couple more rookies behind him. Or maybe we do go out and get a free agent pitcher that's a little bit better than him, and he's your four or five guy. Is there a lose here? Right. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm strangely all. okay with it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know what, you guys, honestly, every single team, when you're developing prospects, as you develop your team, your roster, you grow it a little bit more, you need a surprise. And Jacob Wager's pack has definitely been a crazy surprise. And I'm excited to see him finish out the year. I do think that there may be something there. Adam, I think you hit the nail on the head. I agree with you completely. Number four, as his absolute ceiling, I think maybe a number five guy back end of the rotation. If you're on a playoff rotation, you probably go to the bullpen. To be a long guy, but still, you need guys to fill out your rotation because there's guys in the system like Nate Pearson who, man, he's in AAA. He's made two starts against Rochester and Pawtucket. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, three strikeouts, no walks against Rochester on the 20th, his AAA debut. On the 25th, this past Sunday, so yesterday, he went six innings, two in runs, two hits, seven strikeouts against the Pawtucket Red Sox. Craig, Nate Pearson way my friend because it's like unreal
2: (laughs) honestly i know why everybody is so high on him and it's because of his fastball but the thing that has honestly impressed me from watching him as much as i have on the double uh triple a uh minor league tv so far his off speed stuff guys is obscene he's throwing a 99 mile an hour seed to the rochester red wings last week and then he drops like an 80 mile an hour curveball on him how in the Frick do you keep your weight back when he's doing something like that <laughs> i just don't know how you even figure out how to unload it's just i'm not shocked that the AAA hitters of the red wings and the um i forget who they were playing this weekend but um the fact that he they're they're never comfortable in the zone this could play in the majors right now but i don't want to see him bring him up until next season
1: bingo I could not agree with you more. And I know, like, the hype is real. I'm not taking anything away from him. I know right now this is our gem, right? It, it, everyone has, he's the new Vlad of the prospect system, right? Like, this is what we have our eye on. Um, but I, I need to see a little bit more time in Buffalo. And I know that might be deflating for some people listening, but, like, the jump from AA to AAA was super quick. Super quick, so I need to see this more on a uh, on a regular basis. And again, like the the outings have been super impressive. And I know his first start in Triple A, um, he was still hitting ninety nine in the seventh inning. That's really really good. And I don't think he walked anybody in his first None. start. So this is yeah, no. and and I think is uh, the outing most recent one in Pawtucket after he um, gave up that home run, it was a shutout from there on out. So uh, he's just. Super impressive, and this is someone that you want to take extra care of because you don't want to have him blow out his arm. You don't want to um, have him feel pressured to prove it in the majors if there is a September call-up. Let him thrive in Triple AAA. Let him build that confidence, much like Bo did. And if it's anything like Bo you're going to see him come out with fire coming up into the majors sometime next season. But I need to see a little bit more on a consistent basis in Buffalo
2: my only worry about him pitching in Buffalo after spring training is the fact that it's cold as shit in Buffalo and yeah. they, <laughs> First seven, seven to t- 14 games are always snowed out, rained out, whatever the hell it is. I want to yeah, see it's been him. Yeah, exactly. You know how it is in Pawtucket, you know, <laughs> it's just, um, but guys, this is a guy I want to see like every fifth day spring training and watch him build up his innings early next spring and mm-hmm. just, I'm hoping he peppers major league lineups as he's getting starts. I'm hoping in spring training next year because why not test him in spring training and see if you got some? I'd rather him come up if you're going to bring him up at some point in the year next year, anyways. I would just bring him up. (laughs) <laughs> and let him pitch inside in the dome in some of these mm. nice major league ballparks, rather than the snow and horrible of Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse.
0: So, <laughs> no, Craig, you actually kind of read my mind perfectly. And I'm <laughs> very happy you segued that to a T because my next question, you guys on Nate Pearson, before we move along to the Bisons as a whole, does Nate Pearson break the 2020 rotation out of spring training? Because you made a very compelling argument, Craig. He won't have to pitch outside in Buffalo or Rochester or Syracuse or wherever else the Bisons will play early in April next year. If he goes out there and absolutely dominates, even if he doesn't dominate, he just looks good. Will he break camp with the Toronto Blue Jays heading into 2020? Or maybe does he go down to Buffalo for three to four weeks and he gets up here in May? Adam, I'll start with you then, Craig.
1: I I just don't. I would like to see it in a way just to be excited about it, but I just, I don't know that I see that with this, with this front office and how they've operated. They've been very cautious when it comes to their top-tier prospects and they're, they're like precious gemstones. I, I just don't see them rushing it with them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with no. My gut is saying no. I, I, just, I don't know that I trust. The way that this front office has been operating, because if you look at like say April right now for the 2020 season, they got games in New York, in Philly, in Boston. It, it, it's still kind of cold there, right? It's not nearly it's really as true. like cold in, in as Buffalo where there's snow threats and whatnot. No offense, Craig, but like there, <laughs> there is the sense that there there will be cold weather, you know. So I I don't I don't know. I'd like to. My heart wants to say yes, but my mind, knowing how this front office has been operating i don't think they're going to do it my
2: mind is telling me no <laughs> 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 all right anyway um i agree 100 percent with the fact that i do think that that's probably what the front office is going to do But i really think nate pearson is going to make it a really 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 hard decision for him come spring training. oh yeah and this is going to be a major buzz topic of the 2020 toronto blue jays spring training camp
0: that might be the only question <laughs> throughout all 2020 <laughs> might be <laughs> but yeah it's, uh, he's going to make it very hard I wouldn't be surprised guys if he impresses like Bobichette impressed during spring training if they just send him down for a few weeks he gets a few more turns through the Buffalo rotation but we do know that he will be pitching this week against Scranton and, and that's who the Bisons need to catch with, what, seven, eight games left? Because I believe they play on Labor Day as well. So a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a week from now, eight games, four against the Rochester Red Wings. They're currently up 2-1 in the top of the third inning at Salem Field. And then they go to Scranton for four games. Three games back. Do the Buffalo Bisons make the playoffs? Craig, I'll start with you.
2: First thing I have to say is hit your refresh button. (laughs) Because they're actually up 5-2. Oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So their fate is 110% in their hands, right? And when you got the fact that TJ Zoik and Nate Pearson have been a wrecking ball in this pitching rotation already, I think this is going to become very, very interesting. The offense is clicking. There's enough going on. There's plenty left in the tank, it seems like, for these guys. And the nice thing about this, the Major League roster guys has kind of come to a normal resolution outside the rotation, but they're not going to be calling up Pearson or Zoik. So you got those guys that they can rely on. This team is going to be how it is right now to run with for the next week and hopefully into a playoff spot. But what's the realistic point here, right? Okay, they got the next four games against the Rochester Red Wings who are currently behind them by one stinking game. So the Red Wings are still in <laughs> striking distance right now, too. This means something to them. So let's say they split the series against the Rochester Red Wings, and 2-2. Let's hope that the freaking Syracuse Mets can finally get some water thrown on their fire, <laughs> <laughs> because they've won nine of their <laughs> last 10 games. So if that happens, and then they were able to come in and take it to Wilkes-Barre over the weekend, who are just like them, and even 5-5 five and five over their last 10 games. The only team out of these... Four that seem like they actually want this playoff spot is the Syracuse Mets. And they're going to be playing Rochester at the end of the week, too. It's, yeah. It could happen, fellas.
0: It could.
1: It could. Uh, I, I, okay, I'm just going to be a homer about it. I'm going to say yes. Just because I want to see it. <laughs> okay, and, so homer, uh, get it know, going. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Is it? You know, you said Syracuse Smith. I just—it's so weird that they're not the Sky Chiefs, or not, but regardless, um, it's horrible. I just want—yeah, I want to say yes. You know, it's—it's it's two four-game series, right? This right now, what they're going in the, into the into the weekend into Labor Day, um, they got a shot, and if they can stay high, if they can do this, uh, especially if Pearson comes out guns blazing, let's go! Let's 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 go to the playoffs! Let's do it! Uh,
0: I want to agree with you guys so badly, but being a Toronto sports fan. I've been <laughs> up for disappointment for so long, guys. Are you I, really going to say I'm that good. to two
2: Buffalo Bills fans? It's a Buffalo Come team. on! I know. <laughs> you, guys,
0: you guys are in the same boat as me, guys. I mean, there's no way around it. We've, we're all used to disappointment. Craig, you know how badly I want a Buffalo Bisons playoff game because their two home games in the first series will be a Friday and a Saturday. There are going to be a ton team. of people. A ton of people will be going across the oh, border, yeah, across the Peace bridge on friday night and saturday night or afternoon whatever time that game is but i don't know guys i just have a feeling they're gonna come up just a tad short but i hope i'm wrong adam i love your confidence and optimism i won't have that too but uh, as a fallback though
2: what do you even thought with how bad that season started off for the bisons that we'd even be having this conversation come september
0: no, not a chance.
2: <laughs> they were the fact that we were literally leeching the life force out of that team for the first three <laughs> months of the season. The fact that they're even 500 shocks me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy the turnaround that Buffalo Bisons have had. And you know what? If they get in, I hope that there's enough Torontonians, people from Niagara Falls, even Hamilton or even anywhere in the United States, to come and watch that playoff game. Get Salem Field rocking, because, Craig, when we were there back in July, we saw the pictures of the championship team and how busy that stadium was. It would be absolutely epic if the Buffalo Bisons had make the playoffs. But at the same time, that's such a good sign for 2020 and 2021 with the Toronto Blue Jays, because a lot of those guys who are down there right now contributing to that potential playoff team will be in the bigs within another year or two, like a T.J. Zoick or an a Nate Pearson or an Anthony Alford. So, guys, it's exciting. I hope they make it. Adam, I hope you're right. Craig, I hope you're right because I think you're on that, on board with that, too. I'm going to be the one guy who is going to be a little bit of a realist in St. <laughs> Paul. And you're hosting guys, this week? We,
2: Come on, guy. <laughs> I know, right? The, the
0: host had to bring everybody down, bring his guests down with him this week. But, <laughs> guys, I kind of want to start. Room yeah, exactly. <laughs> But guys, one thing I want to touch upon very quickly before we uh, before we wrap things up tonight is take a little trip down memory lane because the next two games, both night games, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing the Atlanta Braves. Mike Soroka, the Canadian, pitches tomorrow night. But actually, I don't think that's going to be the biggest story. It's the return of Josh Donaldson. For the first time, since he was traded to the Cleveland Indians, Donaldson will be back at the Rogers Center. Adam, how loud will that ovation be? How long will it last? And if he got a homer a few times in this, in this uh, return to Toronto, I actually think he's going to try to stick it to the front office
1: uh, Yeah, I, I, first of all I think the, the crowd ovation is going to be very favorable because he didn't leave on bad terms he's still like to this day talked about in Blue Jays lore and a lot of people a lot of Blue Jays fans especially on Twitter they love just bringing him up and he's just a fixture of this of the history when it comes to this team I think it'll be very favorable I think he's going to perform well he's having a pretty solid season too um I I just yeah I I think he's gonna make it it, make an effort to at least uh make it rain in the dome at least once probably more than once but yeah I think it's going to be fun
2: so I, I I think I agree with you 100% that the fact that it's going to be insanely fun. And I only have one question, fellas. When he hits the home run, does he flash the six? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be awesome.
2: <laughs> I don't know how he wouldn't. You know, he's going to be back in that mood, and he's just going to hold up the sixes when he comes around home plate, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be awesome. I haven't seen him do it. And obviously it right. was a tribute to Toronto in general when he was doing it and playing there. So the fact that he has been on freaking fire, guys, and this guy literally is the savior for my fantasy fantasy baseball team, it's insane. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that he has put together such a good season, and this is what he basically told the front office that he was going to do, I think he's going to take a dump in their front lawn, and the Toronto Blue Jays fans <laughs> are going to be the you know reaping of the benefits of it. Unfortunately, probably watching a loss if he does do that and goes off but I will be strangely okay if the Braves beat me because of Josh Donaldson. Yes, yes. I
0: would be completely okay with that too, honestly. <laughs> I kind of want to go, go out and see him have like a three-homer game or even a two-homer game, whatever it is. I just think his return is going to be actually pretty legendary. And you know what, guys? Honestly, with what he's doing with the Braves right now, Craig, you mentioned he saved your fantasy baseball season. It's <laughs> awfully reminiscent to how he came on in 2015. He just got better and better and better as he carried the Blue Jays to the playoffs and carried is now carrying the Atlanta Braves toward the playoffs. So it's going to be fun. He's going to get a well-deserved standing ovation, probably going to last quite a while. And honestly, it would not surprise me if one day his name is in the level of excellence because he was simply an unreal Toronto Blue Jay. Does he have
2: this weekend guys? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm I, not I, going that I, far I just I want, to see see I want to see the hats fly off because it. I think that would happen without a problem <laughs> I think so too
0: I would have no problem throwing my hat on there for Josh Nelson
2: <laughs> so yeah go in at, at, um, right in there I knew you were about to say something and leave me in I think <laughs> you, you, know, you know what time it is buddy it picks the click time you have been keeping track of
0: this forever and why don't you refresh our guest Adam who are uh, guest slot picked last week which was a few Twitter submissions and who you and I picked and then we'll open up the floor for Adam, then uh, myself and then Craig, your pick so, so last week off.
2: we didn't get a ton of Twitter follows on that So, and unfortunately the ones we did are going to be sorely left in the rain <laughs> but um, as far as it goes it came down to you Brendan because Justin Schaefer had a eh, week didn't really get out there as much as he should for me last week but you picked Jacob Wagaspek, who decimated the Dodgers. So I'm going to say you're going to have to get the point this week, which puts Woo-hoo! us in a three way tie with two wins for me, two wins for you, two wins for our guest spot. So we're tripling it up here.
0: <laughs> and Adam, we need your pick to either make that a third for the guest spot or open it up for Craig or I. So, Adam, who is your pick to click for the upcoming week?
1: Oh, man. I think last time I was on the show, I picked Kevin. Uh, Why stop there? I'm going Kevin. I mean, he's been having a terrible month, so it's due. You can only get better, right? (laughs) That's right.
0: Craig, what about you? Who's your pick to click this week?
2: Uh, (laughs) It's like that, fellas. um, I'm wondering if Reese McGuire is going to run with this little bit of extra play time that he's been given. You saw it building up some of the confidence, and he had a rough weekend, I think, here in uh, Seattle in front of his home crowd. Now that he doesn't have the pressure of the family watching, I think he's going to put up a two-spot this weekend with a couple home runs.
0: I haven't picked this guy guy yet at all this year since he's been up, but I'm going to go both because I made the comparison earlier to Josh Donaldson. That's going to bring out the best in Bobichef because I would love nothing more than to see him turn into a Josh Donaldson type player on and off the field. So I'm going to go Bobachet.
2: You're going to say it's a mono a mano type match yeah. up the
0: next two days. Whatever, whatever Josh Donaldson does, Bobachet's
2: going to do as well. Yeah. Why does this sound like? A Imagine Michael if Jordan they went reversal, shot, the guys? shot Anything I can do, you yeah. can do better. Yeah. <laughs> that be I love epic. it. If they went punch epic. for punch, this would be a fun next couple of days. It'd be oh, amazing. Yeah and uh, it's going
0: to be fun watching Mike Soroka tomorrow night. he got to pitch in Toronto last year Uh, the Canadian kid from Calgary, Alberta I just want to say a quick shout out to Scott Braun who was completely wrong when talking about the game today and the Braves come to Toronto talking about Mike Soroka pitching he said Mike Soroka is from the area have you looked (laughs) at a fucking map Calgary's from the other coast man like come on (laughs) you are wrong Scott Braun (laughs) he's not from the area he's from Canada He's not from the area (laughs) You might as well have said He
2: was from the world
0: (laughs) Yeah (laughs)
2: You're from planet Earth From the continent Congratulations
0: (laughs) You are from Canada You must be close by To Toronto Because all we know Is Toronto (laughs) Go American media
2: Yeah
0: exactly But guys This has been A ton of fun Adam You get your chance To promote 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 Uh, Take it away And uh, lead us into The wrap up of the night
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. It's always great talking Blue Jays with you. Um, you know, despite the the quote unquote down year, this year has provided us with a lot more topics to talk about in comparison to last year. So I'm I'm thankful for that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at south of the six. Uh, make sure you spell that with the number six and the letters IX like the cool kids spell it. I am not one <laughs> of them. I have never been one of them, but you know, I, I need to relate to you guys. Um, you can listen to the podcast subscribe to the podcast and all your podcatchers, south of the six um we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, all of the above we're there we're going to do blue jays uh podcast weekly until the end of the season and then we're going to transition into raptors talk um I, since i have you guys i would love for you guys to come on in the end of the season to wrap it up and talk blue jays if you both want to come on have a little Jaybird bird watching south of the six rendezvous once again if you're down with that but otherwise guys thanks for having me on Ooh, you bet Adam
0: I think yeah. I think we'll both be there <laughs> Craig how about you sounds what like do you a plan do? Uh, yeah it does it does to me what do you want to leave the listeners with uh, before they hear us again next week Craig
2: I hope you all have your uh, TVs prepared for rain in the next two days <laughs> <laughs> wear your I, raincoat. Uh, I love it wear your raincoat <laughs> to the dome and everybody if you are
0: going down to the dome make sure The ovation that you give Josh Donaldson is loud. He's deserved it. One of the best Blue Jays I've ever watched since I've been a fan in 2005. So it's been a fun ride. It's going to be fun seeing him back at the dome. But I want to wrap things up by saying make sure you subscribe to our podcast, J-Bird Watching, with Craig and Brendan. Next week, Craig will be hosting in the host seat with myself uh, as his co-host. Don't know about a guest yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think we got to discuss that at some point if we're going to bring we'll it on or not. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We uh we stay in touch throughout the week, so it won't be too hard. But uh yeah, subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter, Instagram if you so please. Uh every listen helps. And guys, I'm going to wrap things up with a let's go Blue
2: Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays.